welcome to Ivy League Murders. My name is Sarah Alcorn. I'm a Harvard graduate and a private investigator. And my name is Laura Rodriguez McDonald. I'm a University of Miami graduate, longtime crime aficionado, and part of a fourth generation NYPD family. Laura and I don't always agree on everything. With her NYPD roots and my criminal defense background, sometimes we find ourselves on opposite sides of the jury. We do share a mutual passion for crime solving, and we both grew up in Cambridge, steps away from Harvard University. On Ivy League Murders, we discuss cases where the best of the best make the worst decisions. We look at people who seemingly have it all and throw it all away. Hey, Laura, if our listeners want to support our podcast, what can they do? You can go to our website at clovercrestmedia.com, where we have merchandise, a donate button, and all of the books we talk about. We also can be found at buymeacoffee.com, and we would love any input or suggestions from our listeners, and we can be reached by email at ivyleaguemurders at gmail.com. And very importantly, if you enjoy the podcast, please hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star review. We really appreciate all the support we've gotten so far. Welcome to Ivy League Murders. It is our total pleasure this week to introduce Steve Radlauer and Ellis Weiner who are the authors of Monsters of the Ivy League. Introduce yourselves, please. What was the brainchild behind this book? And uh, <laughs> I know you don't want us to get political. <laughs> Too late. So, thank you. You've been great. <laughs> one of the brainchilds behind this book, one of the things that uh, motivated us to start thinking about this was the emergence of Donald Trump, Ivy League graduate. And blank, 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 blank. I'm not going to say anything else in these hallowed precincts. But um, the notion being that clearly someone with a degree from one of the nation's leading universities can not really be a leading citizen at the same time and can, can evidence signs of all kinds of depravity despite the credential. So that was kind of, Nellis, you may have a different idea of how we started, but I think for me, that was the jumping off. Well, that's the ideological basis. But the phenomenological origin was Steve and I have been taking part in a group chat on email with a bunch of other writers, literally since 1997. And everyone's a writer, everyone's amusing. And at one point, a few years ago, Steve wrote in one of his emails, the phrase, Monsters of the Ivy League. And I said to him in private, that's a book. And he agreed. And we took it from there. We wrote it up. We got my literary agent to represent it. We approached an editor at Little Brown that my wife and I had worked with on four different books, and he liked it. And the rest is, uh, you know what? Well, I got to say, I really thoroughly enjoyed this and giggled throughout. This is very comedic. So basically, I want to give our listeners who haven't read the book a little bit of like amuse bush, as they say, which is so pretentious and Ivy League of me, but I'm going to say that <laughs> because I can. And it's an Ivy League. <laughs> so what this is, is how many subjects do you guys cover in the book? I, I'm sorry, I should have it on my... We have, a, we have, I think, exactly 80 major profiles. And at the yeah. back of the book there, I think another... 40 or so that we just give up one line or two. This is so hilarious. I love what you guys have done. And basically, we're very jealous of your title, by the way, Monsters yes. of the Ivy and League. Can we also which... say that you call it a gallery of elite 
assholes, which is really kind of <laughs> Well, it's too favorite. late to unsay that. <laughs> Not only that, but we're going to hold the book up. A gallery of elite assholes. But credit where it's due. That was not our line. Right. I'm just going to say this is a perfect gift for every Ivy Leaguer, you know, <laughs> to give to That's people. what we thought, too. Because, because the schools are all represented here. And maybe we could just, and we have a lot of crossover here with some of our elite assholes and some of yours. There were some shockers in here for me and for Sarah. So who is going to be our first honorary monster of the Ivy League? <laughs> It's hard to know where to start. Maybe before we start in on our elite assholes, I could ask you some questions that I'm just curious at to myself. And my first one would be something we kind of discussed off camera, but I'm from Cambridge and I grew up in the Harvard bubble. My mother worked at Harvard. So why are so many of, of the monsters and the murderers and the assholes from Harvard? We have found in our experience, I do a lot of the research on cases. And if I find a case from Dartmouth or Brown, it's like the hugest victory for me. Yeah. Right. They're just not there. She didn't even go to Harvard. Well, you, know, you didn't have the... to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud. <laughs> say my school is more of a DEA school. I went to University of Miami. So we're not really. <laughs> that's where we're repping. We're repping. What did you say that somebody majored in? Who was it? Yeah, we graduate Ben de Soleil. For our younger generations, that's a jelly sunscreen or quote unquote right. that we used to use very in, high back caliber. in the day. Right. I think, yeah, I think it was meant to concentrate the strength of the sun. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's it really was. It's exactly. like we took our tans very seriously, right. and I, I'm proud of where I went to school. So, so why Harvard? And I mean, yeah, why Harvard? Why is the there same, a disproportionate amount? The same issue. We started out with a list of these eight schools, the Ivy right. list of eight schools, and we thought we're going to try to even-handedly choose roughly the same number from each school, and we set out trying to do that. But it was really difficult. So somewhere in the book, we we say we could have just made our lives easier and called the book Monsters of Harvard and just not even bothered digging no. for a Cornell monster or, you know, <laughs> Brown, Dartmouth or Brown. You, or, you guys, can you be careful? I'm trying to get into the Harvard Club right now, okay? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm it's not going to go over. Yeah, totally getting blackballed. <laughs> we can give you a very bad letter of recommendation. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. They're letting types like me in now. No, so. <laughs> So it is a good, it's actually Harvard, Yale, and Princeton, which yep. are the easiest schools in which to locate monsters going back. By the way, we go back to uh, 1636, which was the founding of Harvard. I mean, that was our goal too. We weren't going to try to concentrate on what's been happening in the last 10 years or something. It's too easy and it would make an unbalanced and kind of boring book. So we did go back and even back then it was difficult. It's partly because the older schools and Harvard, Yale and Princeton are both among the oldest. Harvard, 1636. The oldest schools were all founded by slavers or slave money. Right. Slaveholders money. Harvard actually less. Bra Brown in particular. Can Brown I just say that? I'm sorry. Like yeah. just, no, yeah. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Many monsters from Brown, but we found some good ones at the founding of Brown, which is the Brown brothers who, some of whom, I think there were four of them and at least two of them were deeply involved in the slave trade, as was the entire state of Rhode Island, apparently. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. you think such a small state wouldn't have. That's true, but they made up for it later on. They were the first, right. I think, to abolish it, right? So we got to give them props for that. But can I 
just cut to the chase because I'm fascinated by, I want to have what we call the battle of the bishops right now. So we've got, <laughs> we've got two bishops. We've got Bradley Bishop and Amy Bishop. A yeah. study in contrasts. Uh, so, <laughs> so for people, let's just say, for people who do, maybe no. you each tell us who one of the bishops are. <laughs> okay. Ella, why don't you take one of the bishops? Um, okay, I'm going to make it easy for myself and take Amy. She was born in 1965. She was Harvard-trained and introduced herself to total strangers as Dr. Amy Bishop, Harvard-trained PhD. So already, you know, of the many screws one has, at least one of hers was loose. <laughs> she was second cousin of John Irving, the novelist. And unfortunately, she killed her brother. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. They, were, they were in the garage. Amy was holding a shot him in the chest and he died. And when she pleaded that it was an accident, they basically believed her, but someone pointed out, yes, but then you reloaded. So her <laughs> story wasn't exactly as, as pristine as she was 21 when that happened. One yeah. would have wanted, yeah. I'm reading from the original text. If I can step in too, so Bishop is mostly known for basically a mass murder at the University of Alabama much later on. And she is... It's not a mass murder or a spree killer. I can't remember. But in any case, so she she a, killed a three of her murder. colleagues, right? That's at, right. When at, she was denied tenure, thank you for the reminder. When she was denied tenure, as one does, she pulled out a gun and started shooting people. Yeah. And <laughs> killed She was at a, a faculty meeting with 12 people. Her plan was to kill them all. She had a gun and... And she couldn't even do that. Yeah. She killed three... <laughs> She went down one through. side of the table and... Not to laugh at a mass shooting. No, no, but, it's, yeah. it's a bad one. Uh, and when, she, when apprehended, she said that she wasn't there. Oh, that old defense. My, my, no one, died. one of my favorite details, and we have covered this case, and maybe Laura can tell us about the International House of Pancakes incident <laughs> with Amy Bishop. I want to tell you, though, that maybe for people who aren't from Cambridge, that it's not entirely uncommon. It's actually a joke. You know, how do you know someone went to Harvard? It's like because they tell you. (laughs) It's not entirely uncommon for somebody. Before you know their name. Right. To tell you that they're Harvard educated. (laughs) She did smack a woman at the International House of Pancakes while telling her that she was Dr. Amy Bishop, Harvard trained, for taking a child's booster seat from her. It wasn't even that. There, there were a oh, limited yeah. number of boosters. Right. And, and, they, and the other woman got there first and yes. got it. We thought she could preempt that by citing her credentials. But, but, but she but was I, more entitled to it. Right. I forgot. Right. But I think her phrase was, don't you know I'm a fucking PhD from Harvard? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To which, you know, one can only say no, but if you hum a few bars, I can say. <laughs> and I think she called the woman a see you next Tuesday, too. Oh, so, yeah, she was yeah, yeah. for that. Yeah, in yeah. for a penny, in for a pound. Hmm. Okay. On to the next bishop. Yeah, because he, I think he tops her. Oh. Steve, take it away. Yeah, William Bradford Bishop. Oh, yes. Brad, as we know. Junior, him. yes. <laughs> so so he graduated from Yale in 59 and went into government service. He also spoke five languages. He was a language guy. He graduated from Yale. He went to Middlebury. He went other places for master's degrees in various languages and essentially was hired as a spy. He was working for the, for the government. Came back to Washington and uh, was expecting a promotion. This is the entitlement thing again. Yeah. He was expecting a promotion. By that time, he was married, he had three children, and her mother was living with him also, or was it his mother? Yeah, his mother was living with him. So big household, right? He didn't get his promotion and then uh, bludgeoned them all to death because of that, you know, just to skip through the 
the details and then drove something like 600 miles to the south dug a hole in a swamp, tossed them in, and lit the whole thing on fire, <laughs> and then disappeared. Disappeared, and mm -hmm. is still missing. And is still missing, or we don't know. We don't know. 50 years. Yeah. So who's the bigger... Who's so the bigger, who's crazy and who's not? Who's the bigger bishop? We're having a bishop on. She's crazier. I, I think, think Brad is worse. I think Brad's worse, but probably a little more cunning. Steve? Yeah, Well-meaning well people can debate this point. I think, <laughs> I, I think my money is on Amy because it wasn't just the people that she killed. Starting with the brother. <laughs> However impressive. But, you know, at one point she tried to, her husband left a pipe bomb with, oh, uh, yes. with her advisor. <laughs> it did not explode because the advisor, this was after the Unabomber and other monster incidents. So academics were well aware that they might be getting bombs in their mail. And there were a couple of other things. So she was just, if left unarrested, she would be a, one of our major <laughs> spree killers, I would say. That's what probably, you get a performance review. It's yeah. true. I, I just want to point out, because since we're trying to decide this, there's a whole key. There's oh, yeah. a whole legend of symbols over here that you guys use, which is absolutely like hilarious. You basically have MS is misogynist. DN is dangerous narcissist, uh, which I think most of these. Yeah, D for D for douche. You know, D. so I do have to point out that Bradley got two of these symbols and yeah. Amy only got one. Okay, so I just, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just happy like, there. Yeah. <laughs> so we're trying to, all right, to us, we want to strike a blow for feminism. Oh my God. <laughs> we're just as good at being monsters of the Ivy League. And, right. you know, I, need, okay, to, I right. need to say something about this. Yeah, we okay? wanted to keep some women in it, but maybe yeah. we could talk about some, because we don't generally talk about white collar crimes, but I thought maybe we could talk about, speaking of monsters, if maybe we could talk about Enron a little. Yep. Because Jeffrey Skilling. Jeffrey Skilling, speaking of you know, can, can I say one thing before we move on to Jeff Skilling? Yes. Pick up on what you're saying about women. Yes. In the same way that we really worked hard to try to find monsters who were not Harvard, Yale, Princeton, we worked really hard to find women. Yes. Because the men, I don't, I don't have the count in front of me, but vastly outnumber women. We did our best to find women monsters that it's much harder to do so it's okay we're doing our best here we are yes absolutely <laughs> we'll send you some bad women too okay yeah, we, so we not, not to some, worry we yeah found we, we found some, some they have yeah. to be ivy league bad women oh, well, we, we only do ivy league. Uh, you know yeah, we, we've got some good ones yeah, for you absolutely we we'll send them your way from monsters of the ivy league part two Revision. okay Revision. how about that <laughs> <laughs> it will amuse our bushes. <laughs> yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. Jeff Skilling has six symbols. So let's yep. do it. Yeah, bring oh, it. Yes, yes. Yeah. He, he's a good one. He's a monster. Oh, please tell us about Jeffrey tell Skilling. Tell us all the dirt. Yeah. Yeah, well, he was Harvard. Of course. <laughs> Harvard MBA. Yeah. Aren't yeah, they yeah all? Harvard MBA. Uh, yeah, which is even worse in a way. <laughs> Even more monstrous. <laughs> That's like grad level monster. Right. Yeah. That's not auditing. It's not, yeah. not douche auditing. That's like the real, <laughs> you're really going for it. Right? <laughs> PhD of douches. Yeah. So, so he ended up, he wasn't one of the founders of Enron. That was Ken Lay, the famous Ken Lay of the golden toilets and stuff. Whatever it was that Ken Lay got famous, was famous for. <laughs> Jeffrey Skilling was a McKinsey consultant. And as is sometimes the case, he was plucked by Ken Lay to join up because Ken Lay liked the cut of his jib, right? 
And so he was hired by Enron and very quickly, Ken Lay had been the CEO to start with. Ken Lay picked himself upstairs and became the chairman and eventually made Skilling the chairman of all of Enron, which maybe we should preface this by saying that Enron, for you younger listeners, <laughs> was a, a big energy company in what, Dallas, in Texas? In Texas, mm -hmm. yeah. They started out as a merger of a few different gas companies. And gas company, yeah. What Skilling apparently brought into play was financial shenanigans. He figured out ways of pretending in ways that convinced all of the financial analysts that Enron was a multi-billion dollar company doing extremely well, innovative, the word, they won Fortune's most innovative company of the year six times in a row, I think. And it turned out to be all based on these financial fraud things that Skilling invented. He was fantastic at that. <laughs> so um, yeah, and eventually, like all of these houses of cards, it, it collapsed. One of the crimes that he was eventually, he and Ken Lay were both charged with crimes. Enron went bankrupt. But about six months or something like that before Enron went bankrupt, Skilling sold $60 million worth of his hard-earned Enron stock. <laughs> you know, so he was obviously, that was insider trading because he knew this was coming. So he was busted, aside from all the other things he was busted for, for insider trading, right? Maybe defense for that was, yes, it was insider trading, but it was inside information, which was bullshit. So I shouldn't <laughs> be, it wasn't true. Right. It doesn't matter. And how many people what lost? What's interesting is that in the year 2000, Enron claimed gross revenues of $111 billion, and a year later it was bankrupt. Right. That's how phony the whole thing was. Yeah. I was looking into it a little bit, and I just wanted to read you guys a quick thing, which I giggled about. It's reading about the whole Enron scandal, and this is actually has to do with a guy named Mr. Kozlowski, who was in on the Enron thing. But it said, prosecutors had led a lengthy case focusing hard on the two men's finances and lavish lifestyles. Evidence showed he held a two million Sardinian birthday party for his wife that included oiled male models standing on pedestals <laughs> near poolside buffets and bought a $6,000 shower curtain for his Manhattan apartment. So Laura and I were just saying, we think that we like the oiled male model. Definitely, definitely. No, spare no expense. I'm going to insist on it. Actually. Spare no expense. <laughs> I would insist on the shower curtain too. Exactly. How many people lost their retirement and savings? The I mean, we're, we're laughing, but how oh, many people yeah, lost yeah. their life savings, their retirement, their 401k? Yeah, it was a very hot company for those years. Right. And, I mean, all yeah. the employees lost everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a nightmare. I mean, it was a huge, huge. It was a huge scale. And also, you guys pointed out that as an energy company, they caused all these like rolling blackouts in California. In California. In California and they caused the electricity rates in California to something like triple. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's that was another trick of skillings that uh, aside from pure double bookkeeping and all of that stuff, that it was extortion. He figured out a way in the deregulation of the energy market in California. Enron came in as nominal heroes. They, they were going to be you know, the free market alternatives to all this government regulation and immediately started deliberately causing blackouts. Right. And then extorted more money out of the California tax base and ratepayers to we need more money. And that's right. Do you think that's something you see kind of an association with the Ivy League people who have kind of been the best and the brightest and they feel this entitlement to kind of get over, I think, take advantage of Yeah, I mean, you, you can certainly find, you know, plenty of other people who feel that way. Of course. <laughs> but, go to one of those right. but I think 
we saw a lot of that in, in our research, just like I'm sure. untouchable. They almost act as if they're invisible, which is yeah. the opposite. It should be the opposite, right? You're right, totally right. invisible, but because they feel that they... Well, they just think that they're so much smarter than everyone that they'll never get caught. Right, right. Mm -hmm. They're usually terrible at crime, though. That's the problem. Well, that's the funny thing. Yeah. Especially murder. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We'll, we'll get into the murder. Sarah and I focus on murder, and we have never seen worse murderers than Ivy League. It's and not the worst yeah. murderers. <laughs> stupid as an Ivy League murderer. Yeah, terrible. I mean, terrible, there should terrible. be a class or something. You just they should <laughs> and, right. and now that all and now that all of college is online, the murder training is going to be even worse. There's this thought that they're smarter than everyone. They're definitely smarter than these blue collar cops. We've seen we right who've seen it all. We get that all the time. These people think, and there's this real narcissistic. I'm definitely smarter than these cops. That's what Columbo was all the time, right? Right. Yeah. He he. Play, he played the kind of naive, right. you know, that homicide detectives come in with 20 years experience and, and they just crush these guys who have no idea. And they don't even ask for lawyers like they're so it's it, it's remarkable to me time and time again when we see these cases that are just the evidence is everywhere. It's just it's it's remarkable. There was a line for a little amuse bouche for you guys. <laughs> A lot in the early 1970s Sam Shepard play, The Tooth of Crime, where someone says of someone else in the show, yeah, he was smart. He was like smart in school, right? It was a put down. It was right. right. And I think that's what this is about. These people are obviously smart in school, almost by definition. They got into the hardest schools to get into. And they think that that means smart in general, when in fact, there are all these other types of intelligence. And I'm smart, but, but smarter. Right. Smart as a kid. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right, right. We really draw a line in Ivy League murders between sort of emotional intelligence and intellectualism. Yeah. A lot of these people are sorely lacking. I do have to ask you guys, okay, so you have one subject who has gotten many, many, many of the symbols, and I'm not going to mention any names, but he's under active impeachment right now. But, uh, he, uh, oh, oh, I know this. I know this. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, you know, liability and all of that. Roy Cohn has got the second level of, I'm just going to show people, see, see the number. Look at this. This is impressive. Come on. So tell us about Roy. Uh, okay. Where do you start? <laughs> Brilliant son of a New York City lawyer politician. He was so brilliant that he went to Columbia for undergraduate and for his law degree. And he was so young when he graduated, when he got his law degree, he was too young to practice law in New That's York amazing. City. <laughs> yeah. He had to wait. He had to wait a year to be admitted to the bar. Yes. And he wasn't a cat, right? I'm just double checking. Not a cat. Right. Okay, okay. Not a cat. So he was one of the sickest people I've ever read about. He was just a, an icky, icky, icky person. And he was no <laughs> strong language. <laughs> before, <laughs> before the advent of Trump, he was known primarily as the brains behind Joseph McCarthy's witch hunts in the early 50s, the McCarthy army hearings and all that. He was sitting by McCarthy's side, and he was really the architect of all of that stuff, in which, among other things, they were going after gays and Jews. He happened to be a gay Jew right. sitting there by McCarthy's side and specifically targeted those people and others, communists. I mean, he once said, I think, not all Jews are communists, but almost all communists are Jews. Right. He said that, mm. right? So he was a commie hunter. When McCarthy went down, which happened pretty publicly, uh, he somehow walked away unscathed. He just kind of like, oops, la, la, la. I had nothing to do with that. 
creep and went on to have a very lucrative private law career by being a kind of intermediary for bribes and pushing scandals. He would actually take, if he had a client that he liked a lot, another client that he didn't like so much, he would sometimes take money from the client he didn't like so much and do good things for the client he liked and just let the other client go to jail. He was a complete asshole, right? <laughs> And the Rosenbergs, which fascinates oh, me. Way, yeah. He was so he proud was, of that. And he was so young when he was, I'm sure That's a lot right. of people don't even know who the Rosenbergs are. He, of he was happy to see people sent to the death chamber as long as he got the credit. <laughs> and, you know, he did a lot of illegal stuff while doing that. He would take a judge aside and talk to a judge while he was one of the lawyers. on the. You don't do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And he apparently did that in that Rosenberg case, right? Yeah, which was exactly. totally... Yeah, not one of history's heroes, I don't think. Right. You know. He was quite the opposite. Yeah. yeah. One of history's real villains. Yeah. Real he was, he was and, you know, had, busted. And had a secret gay sex life. Right. Died of AIDS and went to his grave denying that he was gay. I mean, yeah. he's a yeah. sick, yeah. sick person. Yeah. He's okay. a character in Angels in America. <laughs> and he had open contempt for ethics, for laws. Yeah. And he taught his mentee exactly that, that the person who shall not be named until we name him, that laws and rules and ethics are for losers and are something that smart guys know how to get around. Right. Right? Yeah. Period. This mentee was not a lawyer. He was the son of a real estate developer, just so you know. Okay. So who's our next monster? We should talk about Lutwig. Oh, everybody's favorite. I love talking about the Hamptons and I love talking about monsters in the Hamptons since I have mm -hmm. experienced a few. It's hard to talk about this one. Wait, do you guys have a subcategory of douchebags and Porsches in the Hamptons? <laughs> yeah. Is that a subcategory? No. We missed that sub. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, okay. Because that could be a chapter. <laughs> this one, when we get to the point in talking about Sean Ludwig, I would like to, or Ellis can do a, a little poetry reading from the book. Okay. I think Steve should do it. He found it and it's he's about Sean Ludwig. Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. So tell us about Sean Ludwig. <laughs> Because this is pretty fascinating. So he was a Manhattan real estate guy who had a house in Bridgeham. And he, uh, one night, was out drinking, and he had a guy who was a little bit older than he was and a little more stable, had a family. He had something like six cocktails and was hitting on a woman banker who was sitting at the bar. Late at night, like whatever it was, one in the morning, he ran out of luck with this woman he was hitting on. And he and this other real estate buddy of his who lived out there, got in his Porsche convertible, and Sean Ludwig was going to drive the guy home, right, and pick up his own, Sean Ludwig's own son who was sleeping over at the house. I don't know why he was picking him up, but he was going to pick up his kid and bring him home. He was very drunk. And right in front of this guy's house, his friend's house, he crashed his car into a tree at high speed. And the guy was halfway thrown from the, the friend was halfway thrown from the car, right? Sean Ludwig dragged this guy's body out of his car and tossed it to the side of the road, leaving it there in front of his house. And he was dead, by the way. And then continued on for another not very couple hundred yards before the car just stopped running because it was destroyed. You know, the cops came and uh, he was arrested and he was just a complete dick about the whole thing. He threw his friend's wallet into the woods. Cops found the wallet instantly and they said, there was someone else with you, wasn't there? And he said, ah, oh, don't worry about him. And his hearing... He, he, he was driving, right? The other guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he didn't say that. 
so he was rich and he was um, at his hearing, the guy's family, the dead guy's family came to the hearing, his wife and parents and some other people. Sean Ludwig sat at his table with a fat roll of United States currency, sort of counting money while the lawyers were talking. It was for his bond, right? He was paying off his million dollar bond out yeah, of I don't know. folding money. In cash. So I'll do the poetry reading now. So yeah. <laughs> he was out on bond. And he went to Puerto Rico, nominally on vacation, but in fact, he was planning his escape. He made the mistake of asking a lot of questions of a couple of guys who sold boats, one of whom was an FBI agent who <laughs> liked to hang out in this boatyard in Puerto Rico. She's another oh. bright Ivy Leaguer. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. So, okay, well, wait a second. You, you, you have no way. idea how bright he is. So then he was arrested again. I mean, they brought him in. They didn't want him to stay out because it looked like he was uh, trying to escape. So he was lining up a deal to buy a, an ocean-going 50-foot sailboat to sail to Venezuela. Equally damning was the discovery of the vast Mad Magazine-esque collection of Google searches his powerful Ivy-caliber brain had generated, including, these are the Google searches, five countries with no extradition. Does Venezuela <laughs> extradite to the U.S.? Seeking citizenship in Venezuela. What is expatriate life like in Venezuela? <laughs> 10 secrets to being a good liar. <laughs> That's my favorite. Can I leave on a cruise with an arrest warrant? <laughs> Percentage of bail jumpers caught. How do fugitives escape? And finally, why do fugitives get caught? Oh, my God. Those are, those are his Google search. Oh, so. so he, um, and probably jail. for the last one, he just wrote, why? <laughs> that actually could be a whole book, just like the funniest Google searches of criminals. There you go. They really are funny. Absolutely. Absolutely. Culture research, but yes. <laughs> so who's our last monster? Guys? Oh my God. They're so hard to pick. They are so hard to pick. I just, who's going to be our last right, monster? So I, I take it you don't want to go back to someone from the 1600s. We've got some of them. <laughs> we have so many. I mean, well, we can, you know, as a footnote, this is just quick in and out. People think, as I thought, that Yale University was originally named for Elihu Yale. Right. But no. Oh, here it is. The last one in the book. He was born in 1649. He and his family moved to England. It was there that they made their fortune in the slave trade. And when the people were getting together a school in New Haven, Connecticut, they solicited rich people that they knew to contribute to the founding of the school. Actually, it's Cotton Mather. And one thing you'll note that people just aren't named Cotton as much as they used to be. <laughs> yeah, it's not a real popular one. Not anymore. And this must be why. And so Elihu Yale contributed like a mystery box in Words with Friends of just a box of stuff. I know, yes. Yeah, we and, got that on one of our cases. And, you know, it had some value, but a bigger contributor than he was a guy named Dummer. And they were going to name this school after Mr. Dummer. And someone said, yes, but do we really want to create an institution that's called Dummer College? <laughs> and so less dumb heads prevailed, and they named it after Yale. And that's why it's called Yale. Can I ask a question? Why aren't there any Kennedys on the list? Is that too provocative to ask you? No. It's oh, just provocative enough. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if there was some reason here. 
Teddy Kennedy will no doubt be in the next edition. Okay. The Chappaquiddick. Okay, because yeah. I was wondering why there was no Chappaquiddick. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah and I debate Chappaquiddick. We are going to cover it, but we we, do. we don't debate Chappaquiddick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to defend him on Chappaquiddick. I am going to defend him for his subsequent senatorial career. That's all. Okay. I'm not defending. You know, we're Bostonians. I'm not so. defending what he did. Total. You know. you know. No, it's 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 fair. We um. I mean, there are a few people in the book, including some relatively recent politicians who are in the book because we're accusing them of being monsters. But we note that they've done some really great things and that we're fans of theirs in certain ways. But that right. for whatever it is that we're criticizing them for, we consider them monsters who possibly caused horrible repercussions that still persist till today because of what they did. Like Ralph Nader. So you're recognizing someone can do both good and bad. Not only that, but the one person we debated the most was a guy named John Paulson, who made the biggest single trade in the 2008 meltdown because he saw it coming. Yep. He knew exactly what was happening. Yep. And he, he made like a billion dollars. He betted against it. The big short. Yeah, the big short. Yep. And we kept saying, we kept discussing, isn't he a monster in some way? And we decided, no, everything he did was legal. Right. Yeah. And... He didn't cause the meltdown. He just did the right thing for himself. So it, he's not in the book. It's like the, um, I can't remember the guy. He's in one of the dishonorable mentions, as I like to call it in your book. The guy who invented napalm sort of yeah. said like, hey, you know, right. that's a weird position to be in, I think. Like the Tom Lehrer, who taught at Harvard and went to Harvard, lied, the songwriter. Once the rockets go up, who cares where they come down? It's not yeah. my department, says Werner Von Braun. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. right. <laughs> Uh, God, we could talk to you guys for you, hours. Do you yeah. think, I mean, are you making a list of like people you will use in the future? Have you? We sort of can't avoid it. The sad fact is sequels are very unlikely in publishing. I don't know. <laughs> Books are very unlikely. Books are very <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> right. you know, we don't want to sound naive about this, but, you know, every now and then someone will pop up and there's a whole new rash of them. I won't mention any names. We wanted to do not Ivy, but still prestigious. Caltech, MIT, Stanford. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. That's us. I invite all your listeners, call Little Brown or, yeah. or write them. Or just buy a thousand copies of the book each and then we'll get to do that. <laughs> That's right. Well, That's look, right. I mean, we're finding it. There's a lot of interest in it because there is Appreciate a lot of, in the prestige, watching people fall. People are very interested. And we find new or, people. Or watching people get away. People get away too. or watching. Yeah. How, yeah, how the justice system. By the way, before we forget, according to our numbers, Jeff Skilling should have been released last year. No, I haven't. I did the research. New post book research. Let me just tell you. He was released from custody in February 2019 after serving 12 yeah. years because he made a deal. He got some years knocked off. He's been out since 2019, and I will read you this. In June 2020, Skilling was reported by Reuters to be fundraising for launch of an online oil and gas trading platform. Oh, God. <laughs> This morning, I know. No. I'm scared too. Uh, so he's I, back. He's oh, back. The scorpion reverts to type. I know. They always do. They always go. They always do. Yeah. 
I think shower curtains are actually more expensive these days. I love in the book too, that you point out that skilling, unlike his investors is still going to be wealthy when he gets out of prison. Your money is not confiscated when you go to jail. I mean, he made millions and millions of dollars. Uh, And one thing we like to point out is that regardless of your education or your wealth, you're not immune from greed, from jealousy, from mental illness. And I think, so you can have an Ivy League degree or money or not, and people still suffer from these same human things. So I take this as a disclaimer. What you're really saying is, listeners, do not try this at home. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Oiled male models. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Right. Maybe. (laughs) Who wouldn't? ask you guys something. Did you get blowback from writing any of this? Or I wish. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, I know. I know. No, I, no. I, blowback. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Uh, It came out in early 2017. You know, you've also got a former president in there, George W. Bush, which I don't know if you guys, I almost think I didn't like George W. Bush when he was in office, but he seems so reasonable. (laughs) He's he's looking good now, isn't he? (laughs) Smart. (laughs) Normal. We We thought no one could be worse than Nixon. Right. And we thought no one could be worse than W. Now we think, in our naivete, no one can be worse than the recent encumbrance. Careful. Who knows what's next? Be careful what you don't ask for, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you are asking annoyed with me because we're supposed to be a not political. So. Okay, okay. Well, no, I know. I, yeah. It's all in good fun. And so you have W in the book. And we have Bill Clinton. We have Al Gore in the book, too. So. Right. Yeah. So you're right. I, I think yeah. you're very equal opportunity asshole here. Oh, yeah. stop. Really? <laughs> okay. Republican. You gave it to everybody. I will say that you are not partisan. That's, you gave it to bipartisan asshole. True. That time someone noticed. No, no. no. <laughs> I do have to point out that in your symbols, R-W-N stands for right-wing nutbag. Okay, I'm just pointing it out. Wait a okay, minute. We were just, we were just being factual. Nutbag? Is that for the next one? Yeah, I would like okay. to Wait a minute. Is it bag or bar? <laughs> not bar, not bar. Not bar. That's better. Next time I want to put in for left-wing nutbar. This has been so super fun, and I think you guys should go for... Number two, Monsters of the Ivy League. Number mm-hmm. two. Return and, uh, of the Monsters. Yeah. Yes. And, and by the time you publish it, I'm going to lose all my moral compass and become important enough so I can make it into Monsters I, I of the Ivy I, League, too. Please, come on. I said I didn't want it to be. All right. I said I didn't want this to be political. But I, just, <laughs> I just have to say that I didn't know Ted Cruz was against sex toys. 
<laughs> now you know. Now I know. I, I, just, I didn't know that he was against sex toys. Thank you for the image of fat Dracula using sex toys. I'm not going to call anyone disparaging names, but I was not aware that the sex toys were like a... Well, this a is an educational book. You know, huge amount of research. This is nonfiction. Okay. <laughs> it's not like an issue in Massachusetts, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. every humor book has been this heavily researched. I have. To I mean, what's the... We'll take research very seriously, yeah. Aaron. Oh, yeah. Do you want a funny sex toy story? Yeah. Okay. Who doesn't? I know what she does. I'm supposed to be the inappropriate one, not her. My friend was helping his girlfriend move. This is in LA, and he's got this big box of, I guess she was into what Ted Cruz would condemn sex toys. <laughs> He's carrying this huge box across a big intersection in LA and the bottom drops out. <laughs> all the things go all over the street. It's I think a it's a Woody great. Allen scene. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> and as he's picking him up, saying, not mine, not, not mine. mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't know what, I don't know what this is. And this is supposed to be the episode we put on for the first one with video. <laughs> I, well, yeah, no, you're you're right. I want to talk to you guys for hours. We might have to have you back and yeah, talk we about really and talk. Right. About you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> you're just too fabulous and too fun, too fun, exactly. And there's so many more because you have there's nine so many more. Next time we'll do some old ones from the 1760s. Yeah, yeah. I know, and I would love to. Yeah, to, to, <laughs> we, we, we know like we actually know a lot of the old ones. It would be great to do that because we've done. Uh, and really, as a feminist, you need to have more women in here well, okay. we, well, you're gonna have to that's start that's why we're looking to you you guys are next edition <laughs> you guys are not representing okay i'm just well, saying. no it's not us it's, not it's, not not us. it's the women who aren't representing it's the women who are just big sissies and can't be monsters <laughs> real monsters we can get yeah you. exactly just to throw your way <laughs> we'll take it Okay. We're not proud. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next for you guys creatively? What are you working on? Uh, we've retired. <laughs> <laughs> By which he means we gave up. We gave up. <laughs> Ella Shore, you're an Ivy League, right? Penn, yes. I'm still ashamed of certain graduates. Okay. Yeah, I was there in yeah. 72. We have an idea for another book, which we sort of talk about once a week, which is still a good idea based on a rundown like this of cults and crazy things that people believe. Ooh. Inspired by Q, but not just. That's all we've taken it so far. Terry, our editor, Terry Adams, if you're out there listening, hint, hint. I might as well promote my new thing. I started a humor magazine called the Sherman Oaks Review of Books about four years ago. And now I'm going to do a blog. I don't know if you guys cook. If you do at all, you know that there are 10,000 cooking blogs and 12,000 cooking magazine blogs. And I've been cooking for a long time, so I'm going to start something called Learning from Linguini. <laughs> and it's ostensibly a food blog, but it's completely humorous. It's completely satirical and fake. Oh, oh fun. So that I think I'm just not, my, my friend is helping me design that. And I guess that'll be up and running in a couple of weeks. I guess wow. it's blank. Absolutely. I will indeed. I will yeah, indeed. put it on our website. Absolutely. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Steve, what, what are you up to? Yeah, what are you up to, Steve? I never talk about that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Then. Okay. And how are you anyway? I mean, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. And, and yourself? <laughs> okay. Okay. And Steve. Sorry. Okay. 
Okay. All right. Well, if you ever. Thanks. You know, this was great fun for us, too. Anytime. Yeah, oh, if you totally. ever want to talk about it or promote anything. If okay. you want to. Yeah, if you want to promote the black box, you just put, you know. Well, well you'll, you'll be the first to know when I yeah. figure we'll something out. We would love to promote it <laughs> and, and maybe have you back and talk about some, some more elite assholes. Love to. So this Nothing was we like talking about more than elite assholes. <laughs> Same thing here. So you guys have to promise me I'm not going to appear in Monsters of Ivy League, right? No, no, we can't do that. Okay. We can't make that promise. <laughs> do I get immunity from being <laughs> And then, okay, I get like no a lifetime. She does. Like a lifetime get out yeah. of jail free. Mm, all right, we'll think about that. <laughs> all right, you guys are a total blast. Thank and you so much. Everybody, go out, buy this book. This Absolutely, for your Ivy League friends. Absolutely, you, you'll be chuckling and giggling, oh, and yeah, yeah is, it, it's wonderful. Hysterical. And being appalled. Right? And, and appalled. And appalled. Yes, that's well, right. Thanks for inviting us. Uh, Thank you. Yes, indeed. Yeah. We'll put the link on our, we'll put the link for your book on our okay. page and yeah. we'll put it everywhere on Twitter and on Instagram and everywhere. And you guys for the video too, not to drive the cat thing, but we are going to put your faces in as cats for the video. <laughs> Just I, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> I can only benefit. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, but a really ugly cat. <laughs> Maybe a monster. Yeah, right. All right, guys. Thanks so much. This was a blast. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Murder. Murder.